0: Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Craft Cook Read Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica and I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, June 9th, 2022. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Um,
1: June 9th.
0: Right. I was going to not say it because I have been saying that I feel like every single time we record. So thank you for saying it for me. I'm I know.
1: Cringing. I am great. Yay! Busy. Good. We went to a bonsai auction last night. Interesting. Very. So this is my husband's, I don't even know what you would call this, on the bench. This is on the bench. Okay. Because bonsai people like to do their business on a bench. Into the woods? (laughs) Into the woods. Yeah. It was, okay, bonsai is like a whole separate art form that I don't know anything about, except I know... Is he a bons artist? He is. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. He is totally into it. Huh. And there's so much. I can't even. There's so much. I mean, yeah. it's a whole separate yeah. ancient, incredible art form. Right. And so now that the construction is easing up. Yay. We can look out at the bonsai collection in the yard. And so he added one beautiful little juniper last night. And a super tiny little juniper. He didn't care about the juniper, but apparently the pot is was everything. <laughs> okay. And so there's, there's like a ceramic side to this bonsai. Oh, interesting. Stuff. And there was one pot last night that was this beautiful vintage Japanese pot that was like a celadon color with a tree motif on it. It went bananas. It was so exciting because it just looked like a tiny little tree in a pot. But there was something magical about the pot. And the tree had a good root, I guess. Oh, my gosh. It was so exciting. Other than that, I i mean, some things I really like and then they sell for $30, you know, and I think... So oh. you
0: have a different aesthetic than what the Buns artists are looking at.
1: Yeah. I like the shapes of things and how green it is or whatever. And the bonsai people are looking for root structures and branches and where it's at in its hmm. hundred year development. And it's it's a really interesting art form. Interesting. So, yeah. That was our date night last night. That's cool. <laughs> how about you? Options how are you? Are fun. I'm good. I have a graduate now, high school oh, graduate. Oh, yes. Congratulations.
0: So that was pretty fun. It was Memorial Day weekend, so it was a little more subdued in terms of family being able to celebrate with us because everyone was, you know, going out of town. But so it was very nice. And we got good seats at the graduation, so I was excited about that. And it took an hour less than I was told it was going to be, so that was great.
1: Congratulations. And it wasn't foggy. It no, and yeah, of-
0: the sun came out. It was beautiful. It was perfect weather, just nice breeze. It was the best that San Francisco
1: gets. Perfect. Super. Yep.
0: Congratulations. So that was good. Yeah. So so now we're back at it, summering away and uh, and and doing crafty things. So we will discuss on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and bingo is in full swing for some of us anyway. She's looking at me <laughs> with that tone of voice. I was told that she has not done any
1: bingo yet. I thought it was like June third. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a week
0: behind. It was June 3rd. It was a week
1: <laughs> no. ago. No, it's yeah. not. That's okay.
0: You have all summer. It right. is. It is a marathon, not a sprint.
1: Well, it would be good if I got out of the gate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true.
0: Okay, on the needles. I tell you what, people, there has been a lot of knitting. It's very exciting.
1: Oh my gosh, tell us everything. So
0: I have been working away at the, actually, so this is something I did not finish, but I am still working away at my OMG Heel Socks by Megan Williams. Those are for Simon. They're in the Knit Picks Felici Fingering Colorway Bayou, which is blues and greens and very lovely. And I have finished the first sock. I am working on the second sock. I was very excited because Boy 2 and I went to see Cats, which I had never seen, which is why we went to see it.
1: I've never seen cats either.
0: We'd heard mixed reviews from various people. Some people seem to love it. I know people who really dislike it, but we figured it's a classic. Let's go see it. And we both ended up really enjoying it. But I decided to knit through the whole thing, which worked out okay until I could tell I had screwed something up and I couldn't figure out where the stitch was. And then I got home and looked at it and I had two screwed up stitches and a drop stitch that was about three color stripes down (laughs) like the first act (laughs) basically and so I was like all right whatever so I just ripped it all out and I'm starting over I mean it was just kind of keeping keeping me busy while I was there so it was fine whatever
1: and I'll just oh my gosh I'm gonna totally take knitting to the next bonsai auction (laughs)
0: oh that would be good that
1: would be good yes that is that is why knitting is is our friend
0: so I'm still working on that and I, I have plans and a lot of the reason that I am sort of working on things more is that it is besides being bingo season it is splash pad party season with boston gen and the downseller studio it only lasts two months you get points for finishing things works in progress count so i'm like i need to finish things and you can only count up to 200 grams so if you make like a giant sweater you only get credit for i don't know half of it so small things socks that's the way to go. Also, I want to finish them because they've been on my needles for a while. I'm tired of looking at them. And I have another pair of socks that I want to start. Actually, I have two that I really want to do. And I think those would be good for some of the travel that I have coming up. So I want to make sure these are finished. So anyway, those are not finished, but I have three finished objects. Three? Three. Okay. Very exciting. So Make No Mistake by Sarah Shira is the first one. That is the ninth mystery gnome along that I talked about last time it had started. Um, So I did finish it. The final clue came out. I was able to finish it. it. Turns out really cute. The gnome's name is Gnocchi. She has a mushroom on her hat. It's color work. So the hat is adorable. She has beads on her beard, which is adorable. I did decide to do that and it was a little bit fiddly, but looks adorable. So I'm okay with it. It was worth it. The gnomes are normally sort of a tall oval shape, like an egg. And this one is a sideways oval, so it looks like a gnocchi. (laughs) And she's so short and cute and plump and just delightful. So this was a really, really fun one. And the clues came out over about two weeks. And I think I'm used to the Christmas one, which takes the whole month of December, basically. So this felt really fast. But it was very fun, very cute, and now it's done and sitting on my desk and making me smile every time I look at it. So that was that was enjoyable. And then I finished my Rocket Tea by Tannis Lavallee in my neighborhood rustic fingering and loft. And your modeling of that was spot on. That was at Cats, yeah. I was I was taking so it out for spins first time it was ready. I had blocked it it was was so excited. So it was not with the black pants that I originally envisioned it. But I do have some symphony performances coming up. So I will probably be wearing it again with the black pants. But I was I was pleased with it because it was a weird weather kind of day where it was it had been raining, but it was warm, which we don't usually get in San Francisco. It It was was very humid. Yeah, it was a weird day. So this the sweater was kind of perfect for it. So it's striped. The fingering is is vibrant blue with little bits of lighter blue and some black. And then the mohair silk lace is a black. So you get cool striping effect. It's got a v-neck, little tiny cap sleeves. I ended up doing a couple of short rows at the bottom of the back, which actually Sarah Shira of Imagine Landscapes said she has started doing on her sweaters. That just gives you like a extra half inch on the back. So when you sit down and your sweater hikes up, as they always do, you don't suddenly have your waistband peeking out. So I thought that was a very interesting idea and it seemed to work out. And it was interesting. I I think because of the lace, I knit it to the length that it said it should be. And it was just a smidge short. And I thought that it was because probably because the lace was kind of hiked up and hadn't been relaxed so I blocked it before I did the sleeves to make sure that it was the length I wanted to be. And because the sleeves were capped, you basically just did two rows and bound them off and it was, you know, you were done. But I wanted to make sure that it was all where I wanted where I wanted the length before I started messing with things. And I was right. It was great. And you do a I-cord bind off around the neck and the sleeves and the bottom, which is a huge pain, but turns out really sharp looking. So I was pleased with that. So overall, I'm just super excited. And I had started knitting it because there was a woman at my knitting retreat who was knitting one. And I had seen the pattern, I knew about it, and I wasn't blown away. And then I saw the one that this woman was knitting and thought it was amazing and was inspired. And apparently there have been a couple of people that have seen my post and said, oh, that's really great. I'm going to add that to my list. And someone else was like, yep, I saw someone else knitting it and I've knit four of them now. So apparently once you see it... You are inspired. It's a cult favorite (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. So that was pretty fun. I'm very excited about that. And then since I was on a finishing kick, what I really wanted to do was start something. But I thought, no, that's just silly. I have all these great projects lying around. And if I want to get more points (laughs) so I can win fabulous prizes, not just so I can win fabulous prizes. I do like having finished objects. So I pulled out my Bautista shawl, which I started almost two years ago. I was looking at my notes. I started in June of 2020. And we are now June of 2022. So this was yarn and a pattern from my knitting retreat from 2020. And the yarn is Yak Lux by Invictus Yarns. And so it's got, it's merino and yak. So it's very soft and lovely. And there might be some silk in there as well, because it's got a little bit of shine. And it's this beautiful green colorway, like a sagey, a dark sage green. And the pattern is from Celia McCannum Cahill and she is one of the retreat attendees so it's all just you know a smorgasbord of my knitting retreat the pattern is so it's a shawl it's a crescent shaped but a really wide short crescent with this amazing lace border and I when I picked it up it was probably a third of the way through and I just, it's amazing what happens when you actually knit on something. (laughs) It gets done. For some reason, the lace pattern finally clicked in my brain and I stopped having to look every single line and count everything. It just started to make sense and I, I realized there were sort of four little sections and I could remember what all the sections were and what it was supposed to do next and So that was really helpful. And I just sort of, you know, I made that what I was working on. And it was really nice to be working on lace after all of the stockinette that I've been doing. Really, you know, simple things are great. It's super good for watching TV. You can just go. Go. But yeah, but after a while, it's like, I want, I want my brain to be doing something. So that was fun. And I finished it. And it's really pretty. I blocked it. It looks amazing. And I don't wow. know, I don't know what I'm, <laughs> when I'm going to wear it or what I'm going to do with it. But I'm very excited to have it as a possibility for my wardrobe. That's excellent. Yeah. And so since then, I've been working on my Helix cowl by Andrea Rangel, which is a colorwork cowl. Using Knit Circus yarns, um, one of the colors is a black, and the other is a speckle that goes from blue to pink. The idea, and it seems to be working out, it kind of looks like a stained glass window. And the only thing that I am just realizing, because I have maybe one or two more repeats to do, is that I was using the I wanted to use the whole gradient to get the whole gradient, but it goes from blue to pink. So when I connect the two ends of the cowl. It's going to be a blue and a pink meeting, so that part won't be very gradient-y, but I can hide it in the back, and it'll be fine. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to finishing that, and I have started swatching for my next sweater. We will see how that works out. It is a funky construction, so you actually need to get row gauge, which I am not. I'm getting the other one.
1: Column.
0: I'm getting stitch gate, uh, stitches per inch. Yeah, I'm getting stitches per inch. I'm not getting rows per inch. Okay. And you need the rows per inch, which I'm not. So we'll see. Okay. I might be doing some finagling, but you will hear more about
1: that later. Finagling is another word for math. <laughs> uh, a little of both, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so how about you? I knit a little bit on my Yay. shawlography Stephen West shawl. This is going to be like a long... A long, short story. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. It was good to get back into it. Which section are you on now? I'm still in those short rows. Mm, Yeah, because you had to redo them? I ripped it all out and reversed the color so that there was one color dominating the front. They're just kind of tedious. I talked to my friend Sally, who got stuck at the same exact point. (sighs) So I'm committed to getting through the short rows as fast as possible. Yeah, there's always a point on a shawl where you think
0: it's going really fast and all of a sudden you hit that point where the rows are really long or you're doing something it's just like, oh, this is going to take forever.
1: And these two, the short rows are on the wings of the shawl. Mm. So they really are adding length to it. And I feel like that's partly why it's going so slow. It feels like you're never reaching the end. You're just like, Back and forth like a typewriter in that. Well, because you
0: that that's what's happening.
1: <laughs> it, exactly what's happening. But fast forward, Courtney. So a little bit of knitting. I wish I had taken it last night. That would have been a good idea. Okay. So on the easel, it's June. So I had a new calendar story up about the June calendar page. It was the one called Empty Nest with the penguin and the ginger jar urn honestly when i was building the calendar i thought it's kind of weird to do the empty nest for june but it also in my brain i thought that's when the winter season is in antarctica and so i was more thinking oh. about the bird calendar that or the bird schedule than my actual calendar and then it aligns with our high school graduations and the getting these kids ready to fledge into their next phase. And and it felt really poignant, actually, to do the empty nest, even though we don't have quite empty nests. but It's closer. It's closer. It's
0: coming coming for us.
1: So I did the calendar story. And then I'm working on, I think I mentioned it before, that I I have this idea for a chapbook about birding. Mm -hmm. Or the birders. And so I've started that back up again. I did the loudest birds research this week. I wanted to have some (laughs) superlative because there's more than one way to go birding. I mean, you have to look with your eyes, you know, or your binoculars. But a lot of people are able to identify birds by sound before they even see them. And sometimes that's all you can catch out of a bird. So I have did some research about which birds in the world are the loudest, and I drew a couple of them, and I drew, like, a vintage ohm meter, like an old thing that measures decibels. Oh, okay. A super cool device. But the most amazing thing that I saw was this little segment on YouTube with David Attenborough, of course, and the liar bird, which I think is, like, um... L I A R or L Y R E. The tail feathers, the male tail feathers are elaborate and kind of form a canopy over him. And he does all kinds of forest moves. But he can mimic a million different sounds. He can do like the camera shutter and the, the motor of the camera. And he can do a car alarm and other birds, obviously, right. the cuckoo So he is
0: a little bit of an L-I-A-R bird.
1: Yes. That's so true. Yes. I am still, I cannot wait to draw this bird. It is so cool. I also wanted to point out that there was a female bird day, or it might have been a week at the beginning of June, where birders often seek out the male of the species because they're easier to identify. And so now there's a little bit of a a movement happening to look for and appreciate the female version. They are harder to spot, so it's much more of a challenge. And so when I paint the lyre bird, I wanna do the female version also because I wanna see the difference between these two birds. And then upcoming, I have a big commission. It's a drawing, it's not a painting. The client would like the St. Louis Arch and the Golden Gate Bridge. There's a couple other pieces to it, but these are the two most important, most iconic, I guess. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, but it will be pretty large scale. And I'm excited to, well, I love to draw the Golden Gate Bridge. I've never seen the St. Louis arch, so I'm going to have to use reference photos. But I think that'll be a really cool project. And that will be ink on paper. Wow. And it's due in like a month. So cool. Yeah. That's exciting. And that's what's on the easel. Excellent. Okay, on the table,
0: it is summer, so I'm making my children cook dinner once a week. It's lovely, and they have they have reached a point where they can pretty much just do it on their own. And I know a lot of you people have really amazing children who have been doing this for a long time, but my- I do not.
1: <laughs> my kids can make quesadillas and frozen meatballs.
0: I mean, that's that's good. They're that not going to starve. No, exactly. So for their first forays. They picked things they had made before, which is totally fine. They were comfortable with it. They could make it without asking me a bajillion questions, which is the whole point. Boy 2 made a Cracking Good Burger from Jamie Oliver, which he has made several times before. It is still excellently delicious. And Boy 1 made Camembert Pasta, also from Jamie Oliver. Yum. You take a round of Camembert, you cut the top off, put garlic and rosemary in it, Bake it until it's all mushy and delicious and put it on top of your cooked pasta. It's pretty fantastic and very easy. And then last night he made burritos. I cooked the beans because that's what I do. But he did took care of the chicken and prepping all the sides and made some guacamole, even though I had some already, but we had avocados and he wanted to try it. And I was like, that's fine. We have a guacamole bar now and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. So it was really good. The chicken was from one of the Dinner A Love storybooks. So very simple, just some spices on chicken thighs, and then you chop it up. And, and then it was nice because you can kind of mix and match. Everybody could make their own thing. You could have chicken or not chicken. It's been a good experience. Boy 2 is making more Jamie Oliver recipes this weekend, but they're from his five ingredient cookbook. So... They're very interesting, and we shall see how that goes. They are new recipes for him as well. So, But there's only five ingredients, so how complicated can it be? We shall see. And then I pulled out my smitten kitchen every day because I had not been cooking from that in a while, and we mentioned that she has a new book coming out in the fall. Yay! So I thought I should review some of the old recipes. So first we had street cart chicken and rice because I think it was a night when the husband was not around. It was delicious. So you marinate the chicken and lemon and cloves and paprika and coriander and cumin and oregano and olive oil, obviously. And so it's just super bright and spicy and flavorful. Grill it. Chop it up. You make rice with turmeric and cumin. And that's super flavorful and delicious. And then you serve it all in a pita with yogurt sauce and lettuce and tomato and hot sauce and onion. And it was delicious. Super easy, right? Because, I mean, I did the rice in the rice cooker, so that was fine. And then the chicken is just, you know, grilled chicken. Uh, So that was, that came together really well. And the condiments, the yogurt sauce and everything just gives that nice brightness and contrast that you, that you want in a... In a pita thing. So that was good. And then apparently I was on a kind of taco pita sandwich kick because I went with the beef bulgogi tacos, <laughs> which was a lot of the same ingredients, which is actually also why I was doing it because I had, you know, some leftover lettuce and tomato and that's all going in there as well. And her recipe calls for ground beef because it is an everyday recipe. So you do not have to do a long marinade or anything. You cook the ground beef and, and put in soy sauce and various other Asian flavoring ingredients. And so I did one with regular ground beef and one with impossible ground beef for the husband. And then serve it on tortillas or not because you this one also comes with lettuce. So My husband had kind of a salad thingy. Uh, lime juice, scallions, kimchi which is not something we usually have in our house, but once you have it, you find lots of uses for it. And so the family was pretty pleased with this one as well. So I was pleased. Great. Yeah. Tacos for the win. Always, always win with tacos. Uh, Any any kind of international food in a bread pocket (laughs) is really what we're talking about.
1: Right. How about you? A little quiet over at our table, and we're headed into a weird phase where... Different people are elsewhere. <laughs> like it's kind of a revolving door. So I foresee using the Lucas Vulgar. Yes. A fair bit because snacks for dinner sounds about right when there's only two of us in the house. Yeah. No new recipes. I did a lot of our regulars. I did cheeseburgers because the boys are doing their summer workouts and all of a the sudden there's a real craving for protein. Or more protein. For them, I use real 80 20 ground beef. You know, I try to get the best grass fed that I can. We do not eat a lot of red meat. And so when I do, I'm choosy about it. And then I have been seasoning the burgers with that umami. It sounds counterintuitive to put umami seasoning on a cheeseburger, but I tell you what, then it doesn't require as much salt, which Mm, is something we're mindful of. So that umami seasoning from Trader Joe's. And then pepper and, and a skillet with nice brioche buns. And I have very happy teenage boys. I also did a couple of desserts from 100 Cookies mm. over the past two weeks. That was nice of you. It was nice of me. It's really only been... It feels like it's been three days since we recorded, but it really has been two weeks. Yes, true. And given that we ate an entire thing of citrus pie bars and favorite brownies, now I do know that it's been two weeks because there's no (laughs) way I would have made that much dessert in three days. I need to try the citrus pie bars. Those sound really good. I think
0: because it's actually warm today and feels summery.
1: Mm -hmm. They are so summery. I do a lot of lime one orange and a little bit of lemon juice to bring it up to the full it calls for a cup of citrus juice. Ooh. So it's a lot of citrus fruit and I like it more limey than lemony, sure. lime leaning. This one is a graham crust citrus pie layer that bakes on top of it and then there is a whipped topping that has some cream cheese for stabilizer. Mm. I think that the recipe has slightly too much whipped cream. I think I've said this before. The recipe has a little bit too much whipped cream and not enough pie filling. Okay. So next time I will double the pie filling and half have, have mm. the whipped cream, the whipped topping, and I think that will be perfect. And then the favorite brownies. I don't know that I when we were when we were taste taste testing taste baking. Sure. trying out this cookbook. I made the super rich ones and I made the blondies till the cows came home, I think. But I don't know that I ever made the favorite brownies before. Mm. They were perfect. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Perfect. I was
0: just thinking I really should get back into the the bar part of that book because cookies kind of annoy me. They are delicious, but the they take
1: and the yeah. pan banging takes yeah. forever and it's loud, which and, is
0: why I've been making cakes because one pan in the done. oven. done. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: but a bar brownie, any of those same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And I actually went with the favorite brownies because my eight by eight is at a friend's house right now. And all <laughs> I had was the nine by 13. So I oh, had to make the favorite you ones do. because I wasn't going to do the math to size it down. No, that's, no, that's, that's silly. So that's it. That's all that's on my table. I would love to take a page out of your book and make my children a little bit more accountable in the kitchen. This is the summer to teach them how to cook. But they are scattered to the wind in about five seconds here. So mm.
0: yeah, we're gonna have a I, I kind of had to jump on these two weeks because everybody is home because things are gonna get a little little wild here pretty soon. Yeah, um, I will still be here but my people will be as traveling. Will, as will i so,
1: so snacks for dinner exactly
0: uh, i'm kind of looking forward to it and beets i'm going to order beets I and love make myself beets. beets it's going to be amazing okay on the nightstand i was seeing if i could get all of my books on one screenshot <laughs> and i can so don't worry and there there's lots of spaces in between so i know what i'm talking about <laughs> i mean you can be a little worried but mostly we're it's going to be it's delightful. not a
1: competition no, it's not a competition but
0: I look at my list and I'm I'm a little anyway I should get started so a bunch of audio books that are all mysteries the first was Finley Denovan knocks them dead by L. Cosimano which is the second in the series Finley is a suspense romance writer and a single mom and in the first book she was accidentally hired as a contract killer And that sort of got fixed. So now we're in the second book. And because of her contacts that she gained in the Russian mob, she now knows that someone has put out a hit on her ex-husband. Well, she's not terribly upset about that. She does feel that her kids would be upset if their dad died. So she is trying to figure out who wants him dead, who is planning to kill him. Plus, she's got her book due. And the hot cop that her sister introduced her to is interested in her some more. And she doesn't know if she wants to be involved with him. So there's there's many shenanigans going on in this book. And I really like the premise of these books. But she spends a lot of time like hiding dead bodies. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Right? You want, you want your heroine to be... I mean, they're maybe... Ethical? A, yeah, exactly. And she's hiding them so that the cops don't find out that she's involved because, you know, of the dead body she hid in the last book. So I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's a me problem. Your mileage might vary. The the characters are really cute. The relationship between her and her nanny slash best friend are great. There's a kind of a nice evolution of her relationship with her ex and some other characters. And it's, you know, it's kind of funny in parts. But yeah, there's a lot of hiding of dead bodies in strange places. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not sure if I will continue with the series. I think there's only these two books out at this point, so I don't have to make a decision quite yet. It is definitely good background listening. Uh, then continuing with the Shetland murder series by Anne Cleaves, Red Bones and then Blue Lightning, so the third and fourth books. So they all take place on the Shetland Islands. The main inspector is Jimmy Perez. And in red bones, his sergeant has gone home to his island of Wallsea for his birthday. He's walking home late at night. He's had a few drinks. He decides to stop off and see his grandmother and finds her out in her yard, collapsed. When he brings her in, he realizes she's been shot. It looks like it was just an accident. Neighbor was out late at night hunting rabbits. It was foggy. He'd been drinking. But Inspector Jimmy thinks it doesn't seem quite right. So there's investigation, secrets, another murder—you know, all the things you look for in a murder mystery. End up really liking this one because we're reading a murder mystery. So obviously we kind of realize that he's right—that it probably was a murder, but maybe not. I mean, it—it it really does look like an accident. The whole community thinks it's an accident. So that one—it was a very interesting setup for the mystery and then the next one is blue lightning and jimmy goes home to the island of fair isle so actual island most remote inhabited place in the british isles home of lots of cool knitting and apparently a bird watching place no way totally the whole (gasps) thing is focused on bird watchers i was laughing the whole time thinking i have to tell courtney about this
1: can i just skip to that one book i'm so
0: yes so you can there is a shocking twist at the end that will not land exactly the same I, i think you can still do it the fair isle bird observatory and guest house yes so apparently it's a big thing especially in the fall during the migration season They get a lot of regular sort of migrant birds, but also if the wind is right, birds can get blown over there from America. Jimmy is home. He's brought his fiance to meet his parents. There's a few people left at the birding house. There's the staff and like four people and the warden who's in charge of everything is found murdered. The door is locked. So they know it's one of like the seven people who were in the house at the time. But he's the only cop on the island. It's all fogged in. So he can't get any help. He can interview everybody. And he's not one of the crime scene people. So it's all very difficult. But there's all this bird watching stuff. So this one was really good as well. And I'm, I'm jumping right into book five, which I have not finished yet. And they changed narrators on me. Which actually I'm okay with because I feel like the first guy did not really have a Scottish accent and the second guy definitely does. I mean, I don't know my British accents super well, but when the first guy started, I was like, is this Scottish? This doesn't seem Scottish. So it was not terribly Scottish. This, the second guy, I am really very happy with. But that is the Shetland series by Anne Cleves. So I've been enjoying that.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm all of a sudden very sold on this (laughs) series because Scottish accents birding remote knitting too knitting too yep and, and it's, it's really and I am so behind I need a good audiobook because I'm just yeah. painting yeah like, no, painting ceilings nothing fun oh
0: yeah no these are good really good sense of place they each take place in a different location on the islands there's the main Shetland island and then there's the other ones and so you get a sense of the communities and living on the islands and so I'm enjoying that that whole thing as well all right and then a book but still a mystery, or more of a thriller. Reckless Girls by Rachel Hawkins, who wrote The Wife Upstairs. And she has another one coming out. I don't know if it's in the fall or next year. Anyway, so this one is, our main narrator is Lux. And she has taken up with this guy, and they have sailed to a remote island in the middle of the Pacific. They were going to do a kind of round-the-world cruise just the two of them, but the boat broke. They only get to Hawaii, and these two girls show up and want, offer to pay to fix the boat if they'll take them to this island. So they go to the island. It has kind of a weird history. There were sailors who lived there, like, in the 1800s after a mutiny sea wreck, and people go there because it's really remote and beautiful, but weird things always happen. And so you get Lux's telling of the story, and then you get flashbacks to the other characters, in the past and how they ended up wanting to go to this island. And so everyone obviously has secrets and then someone goes missing and very, very mysterious. And I enjoyed it very
1: much. Very frothy, great beach read. Frothy is Fun an movie. underutilized adjective. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Thanks.
0: Then The Last Emperorox by John Scalzi, which is the third and final book in the Interdependency Trilogy. The Empire is still collapsing. People are still trying to overthrow the Empress. It's just a mess. Can we save humanity? It was fantastic. It was a surprising and heartbreaking and yet deeply satisfying ending to the trilogy. So I I am just a big John Scalzi fan now. I need to go read more of his books. And I really, really like this series. And then some romance, If the Shoe Fits by Julie Murphy which is a retelling of the Cinderella fairy tale. And it's a Disney imprint. They're having romance writers pick one of their stories and retell it. And Jasmine Guillory has one coming out, or actually it just came out, uh, Beauty and the Beast. So that was kind of how I found the series. And I realized the first one was already out, so I wanted to read it. that's fun. Yeah. Okay. So, Cinderella. Cindy. loves shoes. Uh, So much so that she... (laughs) That she went to design school, part of the reason, I mean, she just loves them, but she is also a large woman, and shopping for clothes with her friends was always really difficult, but shoes they could share. Uh, So she ended up going to design school to study shoe design, and it's going really well, but then during her senior year, all the grief of losing her parents catches up to her, and so she ends up with no job moves back home with her stepmother and stepsisters, who she actually has a really fantastic relationship with. It was really beautiful. I loved that change. Totally support it. But then her mother, her stepmother is the producer of a reality dating show, and one of the contestants drops out, and Cindy agrees to step in, mostly to promote her designs, and hopefully she'll get a job out of it. But Prince Charming shows up, and it's the guy, the super cute guy, that she had a fantastic conversation with on her flight back from New York to LA. So many shenanigans. It was really, really cute. Less harsh in its portrayal of fat phobia and what Cindy goes through as a plus-size woman than some of the other books, but a lot of the same issues that I've seen in other books, just not as not as intense. So that was a really fun book, and I'm of course looking forward to seeing what Jasmine Guillory's. Book is going to be like, and I think it is waiting for me at the library, and I'm gonna go pick it up Monday. <laughs> oh, because I have so many other books. Okay, still not done. Kaike by Vaishnavi Patel, and I apologize for my mispronunciations. I tried to look up a lot of these, but it's just not names that I'm familiar with. Um, so I'm I'm doing my best. So this is a retelling of the Rama story, which is from the Hindu religion. Kaike is Rama's stepmother. And is generally portrayed as evil. She gets him banished from the country and steals his crown for her own son. So this is a retelling from her point of view, explaining where she came from, what her background is, how she became a powerful warrior queen, and why she eventually has Rama banished. It was quite. It was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't. You know, I didn't know any of the stories. I. Cu- I don't think I could appreciate it as much. Right. Like if you know the story of Circe or or whatever, like you can tell where they've made the changes and and either like it or not like it. So I was just approaching it on its own. It was good. Some of the characters didn't feel quite real to me. And then I've seen a couple of reviews. Most people overall seem really into it and really appreciative of, of it. A couple of people thought that it was not an accurate or appropriate retelling. And I kind of got the feeling they saw it as if someone retold the story of Jesus and made him a whiny, annoying person, I could see where that would, that would land inappropriately and people would be upset. So, uh, you know, your mileage might vary. Overall, I really liked it. And this is, a, this is her first book? I think so.
1: Um, so that's a bingo square. Yeah, is that? Is that... Yeah, it's a debut author.
0: Oh, yeah, this, that, so I, I, I will hit that square twice because I have another one. Oh, my one. gosh. Yeah, I okay. didn't even realize that. So, yeah, not not my favorite of the historical fictions, and I didn't really get a, a super sense of that time period in India. It didn't feel all that different. So okay.
1: maybe but, not as transformative as it could have been.
0: Exactly. Okay, But again, a lot of people loved it a lot. And then I started reading the Forward Collection, which is a series of really short books that you can read, not even books, short stories, really, that were organized by Blake Crouch. He was thinking about technology and discovery and how that changes things and what happens when you realize what has changed. And so he got together a group of writers and they each did these super short, like 32 pages. His was a little longer books just exploring that theme and whatever they wanted to. And so the ones that I've read are by Blake Crouch, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, and N.K. Jemisin, who I love and has written a bunch of things. And there's a couple more that I need to read. And they're they're really amusing. And I think Amazon had them for free a couple weeks ago. So I said, sure, I'll take these. So that's been fun. Kind of want to check and see if there's other of these little mini collections. And then my two favorites of the past two weeks, Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. Thora and Santi meet at college, and they have this kind of instant connection. They don't agree on everything, but they just have this connection. An accident happens, and they they don't see each other again. But in their next life, they meet, and they keep meeting in different lives and in different relationships. So they're friends their married partners, their work colleagues, their mother and son, and they start to realize that they keep meeting and they have to figure out what's going on and why do they keep meeting and what is is happening. So it's kind of like a sliding doors, kind of like a life after life, which, you know, are both tropes that I love. Their relationship was really interesting. What ends up happening is really interesting what you can be to each other and the many different ways you can be to each other and how you can view life you can have the same experiences but view life totally differently it was a really interesting book and I think one of the things about life after life is that it seems like it's gonna be really repetitive but then it's not and the way that she makes that happen is similar to this where things are still moving forward even though almost the same things are happening so I really like that one a lot And then finally, Portrait of a Thief by Grace D. Lee. This was my debut author. Five Asian college students, mostly second generation. One of them is first generation. They're all at elite colleges. And one of them is approached and asked if he would like to participate in stealing back some Chinese treasures that are in Western museums and returning them to China. And they say, sure. So it is a heist. Book, which is delightful because ultimately are just college kids, and they're like, How is this gonna work? Like, we can't break into these museums. But they decide they're gonna try it because $50 million would be really helpful for all of them. So there's the heist book, but then there's also coming of age and the immigrant experience and all the ways in which they feel American but not American and Chinese but not Chinese. It was just beautiful, and I just wanted to keep reading and Again, a really satisfying ending. And just right up until the end, I was mystified as to how she was going to pull it all together. So that was really good. And I highly recommend that one.
1: Wow. (laughs) Yep. That is a giant list. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to go home and listen to my audiobook right after I finish a book that I'm nearly done with, which I feel like it's cheating to take credit for it today. But in two weeks, I won't remember as well. The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Yeah. Monica read this a while ago, and I didn't remember a single thing she said about it. And while I'm not going to say whether or not I love it yet, because I can't quite tell, I have about the last quarter of it. One thing that I do love about this book, though, is all of the book references. Mm -hmm. Because our main character is a book lover.
0: There's a list at the end.
1: (gasps) Really? I didn't even peek ahead. Are you listening to it or reading it? No, I'm reading it. Yeah,
0: at the very end, there's all of the books that are referenced and some bonus ones.
1: That's a time saver because I've been stopping and jotting down on my bookmark, like all of the... You don't need to. You can photocopy it. (laughs) That I will do. A lot of the books I've read and recognized, which adds to the depth of it. Yeah. So if you're a bookish person and you want to read a fictional piece about a bookish person, check out the sentence. The beginning is, and I love this too, our main character does something kind of criminal, and she (laughs) goes to jail. But she was definitely set up, and when she receives her sentence from the judge, she's just processing what that means. This is at the very beginning of the book. And one of her old teachers sends her a dictionary in jail. And the first word she looks up is sentence. That has threads throughout the whole novel. And I, as a dictionary person, love that. The timeline of the book quickly moves ahead and she is granted clemency and therefore is released and she finds herself in a kind of an idyllic situation. So she finds herself working at a bookstore and in a great relationship and then COVID hits. That is when a lot of changes are happening within the bookstore. And I think that's kind of, that's where I'm at. Yeah.
0: I mean, the rest of it is kind of the pandemic and the relationships and all the things they're going through.
1: And then I did see something online that a lot of people were disappointed with the ending. I think that there's maybe some political stuff that's happening at the end that is unsavory for certain people. I don't know what that is yet. So... I'm excited to to wrap it up, but seriously, the books, the books are everything, and I think that this character is really sensitive and introspective, and I appreciate that about her. I also read, or finished, The House of Trelawney by Hannah Rothschild, and I think I got this because I liked the cover. It looked like an illustrated cover, and I picked it up, and I accidentally picked up the book right next to it, not realizing that it was obviously another one of her books, Hannah (laughs) Roth. so weird. I've never heard of this woman before, and now I have two of her books on my nightstand. It feels weird. Anyway, this book is about the market crash of 2008 and the crash of the old British aristocracy. Our characters are... Is it fiction? It is fiction. Okay. As far as I know, she comes from a very well-heeled, respectable British family. So I don't know if there's maybe some... I looked up the house and there's no such thing as this house. But I don't know if it's modeled after a family she knew. Okay. So the, the characters are... The Viscount, his name, his nickname is Kitto, and his wife, Jane. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. And his sister is Blaze, and the mother in law is the Dowager Countess. And, you know, like Downton Abbey vocabulary people. Yep. Nope. There are so many despicable characters in this book. Get on board and strap in because <laughs> holy cow, is it delightful? Or. Not really. There's too many. It's too many. It's super tinged by the market crash to the point where if you were a finance person, you would be able to, like the chapters are the date. Of, of what was oh, happening in the market. When did Lloyd's of London crash? And when did Barclays crash? And then when did the government infuse B of A with $9 billion or something like that? It's not really an ebb and flow. It's more of watching the thing tank and then how people are responding to it. It's mm. very stressful. Yeah. And, okay. you know, we lived through it. So that part of it feels like a whole separate novel from what's happening at this house of Trelawney, which is, I know I say this all the time, but feels like a partial character in this book too. It's this old 700 year old family house that's been in the Trelawney line. They're lined the whole time and they're all in service of this house, which is crumbling and dilapidated and will cost something like $32 million to save it you know, it needs a new roof and it's a hundred bedrooms and eight bathrooms. You know, it's just crazy. I loved the descriptions of some of the characters. There are some redeemable characters in it, uh, mostly women. And I liked hearing about the, the workings of this It's not really a manor house. Like, it's a castle, basically. And what doesn't work? And that they found, like, a suffragette printing press in the, like, way up old maids' quarters, because nobody would go looking for it there. Just some little subversive things like that in it. On the whole, it maybe wasn't the most cohesive, but then when I was finished with it and was looking up this author... A lot of people say the other book, The Improbability of Love, which is also on my nightstand, is stellar. So oh, okay. I feel like, all right, well, maybe I'll read Hop the next the one, one then. Yeah. If, if, you know, finance and old British aristocracy crashes interest you, check out House of Trelawney by Hannah Rothschild. And that is it. Two books. Cool. Not even. That's fine. I had plenty.
0: All right. Bingo quick recap of the rules. It started May 27th and will run through Monday, September 5th. The only requirement is that you need to post a photo of your completed bingo line, row, column, diagonal, either on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR, Summer Bingo 2022 or in the Ravelry thread. You don't need the Hashtag then, obviously. And make sure we are following you or that you have an open account so that we can see the hashtag on Instagram. And then there will be fabulous prizes. You get an extra entry if you do a blackout and post that as well. We do love to see what you guys are up to. So post what you're working on. And this year, we will also have participation prizes because the wonderful Jennifer Lassonde, Boston Jen is providing us with three patterns of the winner's choosing. So one of those will go in our final prize package and one of two of those will be participation prizes. So chat it up, let us know what you're doing and you can win a lovely knitting or crochet pattern of your choice. And please do go either listen to her podcast or check out those patterns because you could make a new project and and double up and it'd
1: be great. Special thanks to Charlotta from Blue Shine Art for forwarding the bingo card to her followers. We so appreciate that visibility. And then Penny Gale, too. She's jumped in and shared the card with her Be Brave With Color socks.
0: I know. They're beautiful. I want to make that pattern now.
1: I actually love that color. And
0: that color is great. Yeah. Yeah. And then a bunch of people have been chatting it up on the Rav thread as well. So Knitwise09 has read Every Last Fear, which is a debut author and sounds like a really fun thriller, and then made a new to her recipe of beef stroganoff, but she made it with turkey. And we had a nice discussion about how to make it taste more beefy if you miss that great beef flavor.
1: Umami powder from That's what Trader I said. Joe's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I said, yeah, like more mushroomy business or... I mean, I put it on beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. And then Lo Takel. I never know how to pronounce handles. Yeah, they're always interesting. That's my best guess. Has been bingoing away. She made a new to her pasta salad. She finished a whip, which was a sweater that looked beautiful, and then started a new sweater that also was going to be amazing. She read The Bird Watcher, which is one that Courtney recommended. Yay! And then she jumped in for the Make Something for Two Months Away and crocheted this really adorable baby penguin, which is exactly what we were looking for.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it really is June 9th, is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Bravo. That's incredible. Yeah.
0: So well done, everyone. I... Finished a work in progress, which was my Bautista shawl. I mean, I finished a couple of things, but that's the one I'm counting because that was a long time work in progress. And then I said my debut author was Portrait of a Thief, but I guess it's also Kay. You get to double dip on that one. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get me anything extra, so but
1: it's fun. Uh, Bingo karma points?
0: Sure. 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 And you didn't have anything. I have- You're slow. You're contemplating.
1: I'm contemplating. I would love- to report in that I have a finished project next time with that bathroom with my bathroom oh, remodel yeah, sure that would make me so happy even if I do nothing else that would be life-changing in a way
0: and you did two recipes from the hundred cookies so you could almost be there
1: yeah potentially but I've made them before it feels like cheating I'm I'm hoping to do that one with the Lucas vulgar. Fair. Yeah, yeah, there was a book that I'm almost
0: done with, or I'm going to read that could count for two things, and I'm trying to like figure out how not to do that. Strat- but that's my backup. Yeah. Yes, I'm strategizing. That's kind of where I mostly am right now, kind of figuring out what what projects do I have on deck and how are they going to work and what do I need to
1: where do I need to fill things in. So my favorite fun. thing to do with the bingo is to align my library holds list with bingo book oh, needs yeah, and I still haven't taken time to read the modern mrs darcy book list portrait for of the th- thief is on there so that is
0: and the lessons in chemistry oh those that's, are both on her my whole t- on her short list on her she, she does the whole big book list and then the short read ones. essentials yeah well not short read but six essentials mm. if you don't want to read the whole thing yeah those are both on there.
1: We'll do a link to that in the show notes, the yes. Modern Mrs. Darcy ones.
0: Yeah, there's some. there were several really good ones in there and some others that I was excited about. And some backlist ones, so it was, it was a nice mix. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a lot of stuff. Very exciting. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer or winter if that is the case and until next time make sure to do something you love every day thanks everyone bye show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com you can find us on instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtney sf that's c-o-r-t-n-e-y-s-f on Rivalry, i'm magdon M A G D O N. and if you have any questions or comments email us at craftcookreadrepeat at
1: gmail.com